0: Hey there! Welcome to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, And most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you find these stories inspiring. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And today I am very excited to bring my guest to talk about a lot of important topics. And I think one of the perks of having a podcast is that access you have to people from all over the world. And to this country is one that I haven't yet explored stories from. So I'm excited about it. And, um, how we met was also a very, I want to say cut out of a Hollywood scene in a way, but it, it's, it's very interesting and, you know, really warms the heart. So I would like to just mention a little bit of a fun fact about how we met. So, um, shout out to Jules Hanaford. She runs a podcast called Hong Kong Confidential and we met through her podcast. Actually, you know, I wanna say her Instagram page to be very specific. And um Jules had put in um a little bit of a biography about Crystal. That's my guest name. And I noticed that her last name was my first name. And I just thought, hmm, is this person Nigerian? And <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, I wanna know a little bit more about her name, especially because you know you you'd always have think that your name is kinda of unique. And then you find out that okay, yeah, it's unique, but then it's unique to different people as well. And then I found out, I got to know about that, the way her name was formed and all of just the beauty behind it. I was like, wow. And it kind of held a very deep meaning for me. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Kristal to the show. And she's based in Hong Kong. She is an entrepreneur. She's also very um artistic. If you follow her Instagram page, you see all the stuff she does with prints. And anyways, yeah, so this is Crystal, and welcome to the show, Crystal.
1: Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to speak with you after connecting um, on Instagram.
0: Yes, yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and I also forgot to mention that she's a full-time digital marketer at Goskills and a part-time founder of H52 Prints. That's her business. And H52 Prints is a lifestyle label that celebrates the quirky cultural nuances that make up life in Hong Kong. Since launching at the start of 2020, her prints have been featured in several local publications. And as an eco conscious millennial founder, it was especially important for Crystal that her business, H52 Prints, created as minimal an environmental impact as small business can make. So, yes, so we're going to explore her business as well. So you told me awesome. that your oh thank you. Your name comes from the Sindhi culture, which is, you know, part of um Pakistan. It's a it's a group in, it's a ethnic group in Pakistan. I didn't even know about that until I started digging more into that. So can you tell us how you pronounce your last name and that stuff you shared about the breaking down of it?
1: Yes, of course. So my um my name is Crystal Tulani and Tulani comes from Um, our Sindhi heritage. So Sindh is um, now part of Pakistan, Um, but before the partition, um, there were a mix of Hindus and Muslims uh, that were based there. Um, And my family was part of the Hindu side. And what happened after the British uh, came to India is that they they drew an arbitrary line. And what that meant was that we had to flee um, and go to all different parts of the world. Um, And so what What's something that's really important to us Sindhis is um, keeping in touch with our culture and staying true to our roots. And so you'll find that a lot of Sindhis have last names that end in Ani. So you get Tolani, Metani, Balani, um, Vaswani, and what it essentially is, is your ancestors, part of their first name, um, and the Ani. Uh, which means descendant of. And the tradition is for families to change their last names every seven generations. Um, so you kind of stay current with the times, um, although that practice has died out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was it was super interesting finding out that Mo uh, Tulani was your first name and, and what that meant as well. It was it was really nice to see that. Um there are connections in our yes, culture,
0: yes. And I and I did I rolled my eyes when you talked about the British drawing an arbitrary, you know, line because they did that in my country. You know, I'm Nigerian, and we are still colonization ended what sixty years ago, but we're still we're still suffering for it. Thank you, British people. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you you live in Hong Kong now? Were you born and bred there, or? Um, and I'm also very interested in the migratory patterns of your family, like your generations, when you had to flee from where you were originally? How did they move and settle down in Hong Kong?
1: Of course, it's, it's something I really enjoy talking about. Um, so I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, my grandparents fled uh, India, and you hear so many stories when all, all, the, all the older generation get back together, how some people had to dress up in disguise to get tickets for trains and, and leave everything behind. Um, we have aunts and uncles who are landowners and um, kind of sheriffs of their town and who had to drop all their titles and, and just start a new, um, just trying to make it work in a, a foreign land where they w- wouldn't necessarily speak the language. So my maternal grandparents um, were in Shanghai and Japan, And so my mom actually grew up in Okinawa, and as a result, um, she has an American accent just because of the missionaries that had moved there, um, after the war. Um, and my paternal grandparents were in India, um, but my dad's father, um, was an international businessman and and had business in Japan and in Shanghai and in Hong Kong, and eventually my dad moved over to Hong Kong and, um him and my mom met uh, in Hong Kong about 37 years ago. I want to say, yes, 37 years ago. Um, and they had me, my brother, and my sister. Um, and yeah, that's just, that's my story. And But you'll find that a lot of these have similar stories where their their grandparents fled all over the place, had to start fresh and, and kind of just work their way to where they are now. Um,
0: Wow, that's that's such a beautiful um, story, and thanks for sharing that. So I imagine that for all intents and purposes, you 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 all you probably describe yourself as someone from Hong Kong, even though you have all these other cultural layers. But Hong Kong has always been home for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, when you ask me where I'm from, Hong Kong is is where I say is home.
0: Yeah. So what has it been like growing up in Hong Kong? And can you share your fondest childhood memories? Anyone?
1: Sure. Ah, uh, so. Living in Hong Kong was is quite interesting. So there is quite a big Sydney community here. And as a result, you, you're kind of in a little bubble. So while Hong Kong is a big city, well, I say big uh, because we have a lot of buildings, it is quite a small uh, place on the map. Um, we have a big population, 7 million at the moment. Um, but you really get a small town town feel over here um, because you know so many people from the community and. Um, you you kind of get stuck in your own little bubble uh, at times. Um, but growing in Hong Kong, growing up in Hong Kong was a unique experience. Um, so I I attended a international school, and as a result, um, and I still kick myself to this day. I don't speak Cantonese fluently. I know enough to get around. Uh, so ordering food, directions, asking for the toilet, and of course swear words. Uh, must know in all in all language you learn all languages you learn um and so I would say that I don't while I don't feel totally part of the culture because I can't speak the language um the cultural nuances that um are now in my work at 852 Prince are something that I feel is a universal truth for people in Hong Kong Um, how the mini buses go way too fast and uh, the deliciousness of the the street food that you get here
0: so um, I didn't know about the Cindy people and how you have such a large community in Hong Kong so do you guys get together because you know if I were to draw parallels with a lot of my Indian friends here sometimes when they have like I know Diwali is coming up soon they'll probably get together when there's holy when it's um uh, I have some friends from Gujarati they do a lot of dance parties and there's always food so do you guys have a little bit of like homecoming and get togethers
1: yeah for, for sure so we have a lot of um we have Diwali. We celebrate Holi as well. I'm very impressed that you know all of the festivals.
0: Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I love I love food and parties. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Um, so my friends are um, they are different religions within uh, within India, and some of my friends believe in Ganesh, and some believe in uh, some yeah. of the other yeah. gods. Um, so whenever um, there are festivals around their birthdays or any um, major milestones we'll celebrate them together um and just as a general like our our community is quite close so um we get together quite often for birthdays and and the like and weddings
0: oh yeah yeah from one thing i know about my indian friends it's always something to celebrate because different festivals (laughs) overlapping i'm like yay more food um (laughs) i know you said you you know um just uh, enough continents to get by but how many languages do you speak
1: so I speak English fluently, uh, I speak a little bit of Cantonese, okay. a little bit of Hindi, a little bit of Sindhi, um, and a little bit of Mandarin and a little bit of Spanish, but not enough of all of those languages to say I'm fluent aside from English. Okay.
0: Okay. Thanks for that. So you, for all intents and purposes, I'll call you a taught culture person just because, you know, you were transplanted transplant from your community to Hong Kong. And so I'd like to ask, I know you do, well, I, I assume that you, you're, what, ident- what nationality you identify with, but how would you say you've been able to preserve the values of your original culture, given that Hong Kong, the way I think about it, I haven't been there before. It's such a metropolitan hub and with this rapid rate of development, And if you think about just urbanization and the erosion of cultural lines, how have you been able to, you know, preserve what's really important to you at the expense of such an exponential growth happening in Hong Kong?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, so for starters, Hong Kong is a very expensive place to live. and I know, know that sounds like a weird way to answer this question. No, I know that. But
0: <laughs> <About> <laughs> I, have, I had a friend that wanted to move there. And she quickly just said, no, not going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: for a reference for your, for your listeners, um, a rent for one bedroom somewhere in the city is about 20,000 Hong Kong, which is around 3,000 US a month. Wow. And you're not getting a nice apartment. You're getting a shoebox somewhere mm. where... Um, like you get 300 square feet and part of that is your balcony and they include that as well and with the window space and the floor space so a lot of trickery going on here Um, we are a a dot on the map and we have 7 million people here so it makes sense Um, but what that leads me to is that a lot of people that live in Hong Kong live with their parents um which is a blessing and of course some sometimes. It hurts. <laughs> yes <laughs> um but what that also means is that you're very firmly rooted in your culture at all times um and we live with our grandma and I live with my parents and um it's in a way tough to escape your culture when you're at home all the time okay. um which isn't a bad thing it's great it's great to be at home um but it also means that you're with your your parents, friends, and their kids, and you've all grown up together. So you always have your roots of being Indian and being Sindhi at all times. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been an issue that I've had to contend with, thankfully.
0: Oh, well, I guess we can say that's like one one point for Hong Kong, for keeping families together.
1: <laughs> silver linings always yeah
0: yeah yeah um so correct me if i'm wrong it seems like you schooled in a different country
1: uh so i st- studied in hong kong at an international
0: school oh yeah that was and- that, was that.
1: So another similar thing between Nigeria, India, and Hong Kong is that the British were in control at one point. So
0: oh, my... <laughs> I at one point, I think it's still, they're still prevalent, just very, you know, insidious now. They're not quite as overt as they used to be, but they're still running the game.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. So my my high school was a British high school. Um, so I don't know if you can tell, but I have a slight British...
0: I heard uh, it the first time, yeah. mm-hmm, <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so it's a little bit there, um, and the American uh, accent is due to watching copious amounts of uh, American TV growing up, and also uh, attending university in Boston uh, a couple years back. Um, I forgot what the question was, but I feel like okay. I was
0: asking. So just interesting, <laughs> like when you moved to Boston here for college, what it was like for you?
1: It was definitely a culture shock So I thought I had America all figured out Through all the movies and TV shows I watched But it was very different Did you feel like it was the same way for you when you moved?
0: Yeah, I I was just laughing when you said that Because I grew up on a healthy staple of American movies And I came here (laughs) thinking it was all going to be La La Land It's so isolated, you know And Mm -hmm. I can imagine that for you Given you have such a tight community And, you know, family oriented I was so depressed for the longest time Because, you know yeah. There were people, but there were no friends around, you know? There was a lot of people around you, but no one to talk to or be connected with for the longest time.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. tough one because Americans are friendly. Like, you can strike, a, strike up a conversation everywhere, but making meanif- meaningful friendships uh, is a tough one.
0: Yeah. yeah. I always say that too. That they're friendly, but they don't necessarily make good friends. So, a lot of people that I connect with are international people. And mm-hmm. they don't I just necessarily. found the same yeah yeah because we kind of understand each other regardless of what country you're from and some of them can end up being americans but those that have maybe traveled out for missionary work or who have been working with international students because it's a different outlook they have and so i Mm -hmm. found my people in in other cultures and with other people and better for me because i'm soaking myself in and learning from you know different people so i want to say thank Mm -hmm. you america <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what school was, was it? Boston University, or what school were you at? And what did you study there?
1: Yeah, Boston University is correct. So, I actually changed my major four times. I started off as a business, um started off on the business track, then I moved to advertising. I found that a little too hokey pokey. Um, but it actually in hindsight was a great program to be a part of then i moved to economics found that too difficult and i eventually settled on on international relations because it was a broad enough degree for me to study whatever i wanted um and uh and really like find what i wanted to do and and hone in on my skills um and i did a minor in uh, advertising
0: oh nice I used to live in Boston, so I know where BU was, was on the Green Line, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, whereabouts in Boston did you
0: live? Um, JFK Square, like um, J- UMass, very close to UMass on the Red Line. Nice. So I'll just walk about 30 minutes, 13 minutes and get on the Red Line. And then I used to work in Kendall Square with a biotech company there. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. I really like that area. <laughs> it's so beautiful in the summer, especially. You know, winter can be very harsh, but. Summer is beautiful. There's so many things to do, especially around the schools like Harvard, and then MIT. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of programs, a lot of events, but I imagine all that has changed now with you know COVID and all that.
1: Anyways, yeah, it's such a shame. I feel so sad for the the students that are in school oh, right yeah. now,
0: especially the the new ones because this is gonna be like the new normal. They never even got to experience yeah. you know socialization and all that. It's a tough well. one. Anyways, now let's move on to entrepreneurship. So, I know you are a full time digital marketer and you decided to run your own side business. Why did you go, decide to go into business? And given how expensive Hong Kong is, how have you been able to make it low cost and profitable?
1: Yeah, That's all a really good questions. So, um, upon moving back to Hong Kong um, from university, my sister. Um, who is six years older um, has kicked my butt to kind of try a, some, try a business out on my own um, her points were that I'm going to be back in Hong Kong a great place to to, to start a business um, there are a lot of things that are here at your fingertips and also I'm not paying rent so it's a, a great time <laughs> to, to kind of figure things out and, and have the, the safety net behind me um, and I kind of put it off for a little bit and um, but the end of 2019 rolled around and I was like, you know what, 2020 is going to be my year. Turning 25, it's a great time to just give it a shot. What could go wrong? <laughs> and as you mentioned earlier, uh, I launched my website a day before Hong Kong announced its first case of COVID, which was in, um, just at the end of this, uh, January.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so it has been an interesting journey so far. Um, and a lot of people have asked me how running a business in COVID is been like and I don't have anything to compare it to uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's tough to say um, but yeah the reason I wanted to start start my own business is partially because of my sister and also because um, I've always wanted to do a business that related to Hong Kong um, and I also wanted a, a way to fine tune my my graphic design skills and my mm-hmm. art skills. Um, digital art was not something I was very familiar with a year ago, um, but over the course of this year, it's something that I've really grown to enjoy and use as my outlet um, for my day job. Um, and yeah, it's it's been. An interesting ride so far, say the least.
0: Wow, that's that's really I mean, so this is your first business and so you don't really have anything to compare it to. But I guess that with time you've learned a lot more, given the restrictions that you know were plentiful with COVID. So kudos to you. And I love how it feels to me, because looking at your website and looking at your designs, it feels like it's a love story to a city, a place that you love so much. Because even the name It Five Two, it's the, the country's, you know calling code and I like I said I looked at your website I looked at some of the stuff you offer like your your graining cards I'm a huge fan of pawns so it made me laugh a lot about just you know some of the things you did with the pawns like soy and ceiling boats and all of that and your prints I'm just curious to you know are they hand are they all handmade like the the designs you have on them or how are they made
1: the embroideries uh so I I have a local technician that um helps ah. me digitally embroider it
0: wow they are really beautiful and i love just how minimalist they look you know they're not quite overwhelming but they're quite you know you can spot them so kudos on Mm -hmm. that um and you're you're welcome your business is unique in that you you have this emphasis on using eco-friendly raw materials to produce them i i do know the reason behind it but i would like to hear from your words like what is the reason behind this decision of
1: course uh so as someone that had very inspiring geography teachers and someone who as a millennial, uh, you constantly are exposed to um, and you you see it, how like the world is changing and just how like devastating, like we're catapulting ourselves and like at a loss for words. Climate change is something that gets to me a lot and it, yeah. it upsets me that people don't take it as seriously as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew that if I was starting a business, I did not want to be a part of the problem. Um, and as a small business, I don't think I have the means to be a part of the solution. Um, but I I don't want to be um, creating any more excess or any more harm to the environment than has already been made. So our, our teas are 100% cotton um, to your to your listeners, I don't know if you know this, but beware polyester garments and you wash them. There are microplastics that are released into the um, the waterways, oh, wow. and that eventually ends up in our food systems. Hmm. Um, so I wanted to avoid using any sort of plastics um, or polyesters in our fabrics. And with our greeting cards, they're made from 100% recycled paper. FSC certified. And they're made from soy and low volatile compound inks. Um, and I found a supplier that even recycles their toner cartridges and they provide their staff with two vegetarian meals a month, which I thought was quite nice. uh, quite great.
0: Yeah. So what would you say are some of the challenges you have faced as a consequence of, you know, doing it in a natural way? I like to think that for someone in, you know, even though it's small scale manufacturing, you're going against the grain by trying to do things differently and it might end up being a bit more expensive right cost to be one of the things you are probably mm-hmm. you know facing as a result of challenges but I like to ask what other challenges do you think you face as a consequence of trying to do things differently by using natural and recycled fibers?
1: Um, so it definitely takes a lot more time to find the right suppliers um, and also I'm quite limited by what I can sell so I've had requests for for sports bras and for sweatshirts and for really cool things that I would personally love to do yeah. um, but finding the right suppliers is very difficult if I want to do this sustainably um, and it is also expensive, like you mentioned, so yeah. I do. Uh, embroidery on demand Um, I don't want to create excess waste and and hold stock um, partially because it's bad for the environment and there's no guarantee whether things will sell or not and also because I am a small business owner and I do not want to fork out large amounts of money um, especially when it's such an early stage Um, and so costs are quite high um, but I think it's worth for it's worth doing it this way for now, at least um, until I can scale up sustainably.
0: So along that line, I'm curious, you know, what's your dream? Even though you mentioned 2025, what would you hope this business will become? Look, if you were to look back, like, what what are your wishes about your your business?
1: Embarrassingly enough, I haven't thought that far into the future. I've taken it a quarter at a time just because there were many times this year where I, I felt like, I wanted to quit and and things were moving slowly and Corona and everything wrapped up into one. Um, But ideally, I'd like to be um, a staple in all the souvenir stores in Hong Kong. Um, I'd like to be featured in more publications. I'd like to be the go-to for greeting cards and sustainable wear and um, maybe to change the mindsets of current um, producers at the moment in Hong Kong that are creating products that aren't environmentally friendly just to show them that it can be done on a small scale as well that's really nice
0: do you know that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily for example, in the U.S. alone, one in every three persons listens to at least one podcast every month. Wow, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these wretched qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the more podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event or product you'd love loyal, affluent and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To Promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talk to more at mosibble.com today, or you can visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. And cuz you know you just started your business, this year, you have been featured in a lot of, you know, publications already. have to you! How were you Thank able you. to gain traction so quickly? I imagine social media played a role in that. Or was it word of yes. mouth, or was it both?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of both. So uh, I was really lucky. Um, so with with the launch of our business, um, I decided that I wanted to do uh, Valentine's greeting cards as a way to get some publicity. Um, it wasn't supposed to be my main product. Uh, I was actually just supposed to do T-shirts, full stop. Um, but the Valentine's cards got a lot of traction in the expat magazines. Um, I got in a magazine where my friend was work, in a magazine where my friend was working, and and she hooked me up for that. But I got surprise features in other listings as well, um, which was really exciting um and it kind of just built from there which is really great um one thing that i would recommend uh is following all the editors of all the magazines that you would like <laughs> to be a part of and sending them a lot of free stuff if you can if you have the budget too yeah um i think once people see your product and have them in hand um They'll it definitely makes you. it a lot yeah. easier. Yeah,
0: it sounds selfish, but hey, you got to do it for the business. <laughs> got to do it for the business. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um you give a lot shout out shout-outs to other locally owned businesses on your Instagram page. Why do you think it's important to you to show this sort of kindness? Cuz I see that you do that a lot on your page.
1: Thank you. Uh yeah, I I think kindness should be a fundamental part of um businesses, at least in my opinion. Um it is it has helped me um, get more traction than I thought I would have been able to the kindness of others and I believe in paying it forward to other people as well mm-hmm. um, and these are all products that I have tried personally and I, I believe in and I think it's worthwhile um, getting the word out for them too and getting more people aware uh, with, with what, are, what, what little reach I have um, I think it's, it's good to spread the love
0: I agree. That's really nice. I think it was um Tennessee Williamson They said in his was it his play called A Street Ca- Street Car Named Desire. I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. Um so what advice do you have for people who love to run a business but still keep a full time job? Because I imagine that your full-time job as a digital marketer isn't quite, you know, a walk in the park. It's a lot of work that it takes. And even though a lot of the skills you have from there, you can apply to your current job. How are you able to balance those two, the wife and the mistress? Okay.
1: That's a good question. Um, so I've been lucky to work at a remote job. Um, our team is entirely distributed. So it doesn't matter whether you get your job done from nine to five or Nine to three, and then from six to to nine later that day. Um, so I think having, having a workplace that's very flexible with their hours and um, trusts you to to get your job done um, at whatever time you get it done helps. Um, I think running a business is a lot scarier um, than it seems. Um, you just really need to start and and put one foot in front of the other. To get rolling, um, and trust that you'll be able to figure it out along the way. Um, but yeah, I think getting started is definitely the hardest step. And once people get past get past that and push past it, then you're you're good to go. You can get rolling.
0: Thank you for that. And I think another point which you said earlier on was relying on the strength of those around you because you mentioned your sister always you know pushing you forward and and you got started eventually but i imagine that the support of your family has also helped you get to where you are today and it's just for sure for you it's just so much more now um you taught yourself how to design using adobe illustrator which I think is like really balls. What other skills have you had to learn in course of being an entrepreneur? And what kind of suggestions do you have for those that are upcoming? And they feel like, you know, they feel a little bit lazy or just demotivated in trying to acquire the skills that they need to run their business successfully? Okay,
1: so that's a really good point. Um, learning how to illustrate is something I've always wanted to do. Um, learning how to do digital art is always something I wanted to do. Um, however, I'm the kind of person that needs to be able to apply and have a reason to learn um, a skill in order to actually start learning it. So this business was the perfect opportunity to kick myself in the butt to get, to get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people just need to find what makes them tick um, and, and what gets them going. Um, for me, it's being able to apply it. For some people, it might be... Testing themselves and, and ranking the best in and, and an exam for it, or um, being able to share it with others or teach it to others. Um, so, I think just knowing what gets you going um, can help you get going.
0: <laughs> I agree with that. I think that it's finding out what you need and go getting it. It's not going to be easy learning those stuff, but think about the bigger picture why are you start in the first place and then go for it like i wasn't really. i had a good eye for design like i i appreciated art but i didn't know how to do a lot of stuff and when i started doing my podcast i had to create flyers it was very horrible at first because i just went on canvas okay i'm just gonna put that there i didn't know a lot about you know color combining i think i did a decent job but with time it got better you know i watched a lot of videos followed a lot of pages and yeah it's it's a huge learning curve in the beginning but it's possible to overcome that that's what we're trying to say people. Yeah. now you you have a job you have uh, a business as well how are you able to strike that sweet stuff or sweet sweet spot of work-life integration They say not to call it balance anymore it's an integration how are you able to maintain a healthy personal life and how, what do you do what does crystal do to give back to crystal
1: That's a great question. It's something I'm currently trying to figure out. Uh, So um, things have picked up quite a bit in the last month and a half for 852prints, which is really exciting. Um, And it it means that I've had to put in more hours for it, which is something I love to do. Um, But it also means that I just do not have the time for myself. Um, So lately, I've just been trying to figure out what that balance is for me and um, at the moment it means doing my nine to five and then if I have time in the the evenings after taking care of me, um, working on eight five two and giving yourself holidays from your from your side hustle if yeah. need be. So I've I took the last week off, uh, eight five two prints and I did end up doing work, but it was nice to also have the, the excuse that I did have the week off and and kind of gave myself a break in that sense.
0: Oh yeah, that's good so taking a break when you need it now most of your designs are food related illustrations of every all everyday objects which is one of the reasons I like them. Um, you also like I said earlier you do a lot of play words such such like such as I love your fairy much and then there's a little bit of a fairy and then celebrate with a sailboat. And I also learned about let me buy you a drink. I didn't know about baiju and I had to Google it. It's the equivalent of soju in Korea. What inspired this quirky style? Do you have a little bit of quirkiness in you? Or I think I, I think I sense that in you, but I would just like to hear your response to the <laughs> question.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what I like to tell people is that eight five two Prince is my way of doing stand up without actually having to do stand up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so as as the youngest child in my family, uh I was I'd say I was always the one to kind of do things silly and then be a little weird to make everyone laugh (laughs) um and that that has always stayed with me um and it's something I I do now I I do not like public speaking so stand-up is nothing it's something I haven't tried yet um but it's April April two prints was my way of getting that out there a little
0: bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love 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 it. And um, I guess the question, next question, would just be having to do with that fear of feeling, because I imagine that you, even launching it, you talked about how your sister pushed you and you did that, and then the next day was when you know the first COVID case was announced. Did you have any fears and if any what were they like and how have you been able to overcome that because I believe that now you're probably at that cruise control level where you have a feel of your business and you know you're able to like adjust it as it goes on but I can imagine that at that time in January when you launched it wasn't like a you know a walk in the park so how have you how were you able to overcome whatever fears if any that you had
1: um so I uh most of my doubt was actually um a few months after I'd launched um where I felt like I didn't know if this was worth my time um I wanted to learn other skills and was kind of putting that off because I had to work on 852 prints and I was constantly reevaluating whether this was worth my time or not um and what definitely helped me out was um the encouragement of my boyfriend, who, if it weren't for him, uh, ePrep2Prints would have shut down five times over. Um, His point was to just give it another month, give it another two months, give it another three months, wait, evaluate, see how it goes, don't make a rash decision. Um, And I'm really glad I did that. Um, So for me, I had, I've given myself three months every three months to decide whether this is something I want to take forward um, I understand that this is something that may not be the case for people who want to start their own business um, they might not have the flexibility to um, suddenly give it up if they wanted to um, but I definitely think that doing a side hustle alongside your main bus- your main hustle yeah. is key because it gives you the flexibility to opt out and, and not take your side hustle too seriously if you can't take it too seriously um, so that is my advice for people who want to strike out on their own definitely do it while they're while you do um, your full time and wait until it's viable to, to cut loose if you can
0: thank you so much and I have two more questions for you and the last one well after my two questions I'll give you an opportunity to ask anything you might be curious to know about me or the show so the first question I'd like to ask you is this um, I haven't been to Hong Kong before, but I know a few facts about the place. It's full of skyscrapers. There are actually more skyscrapers in Hong Kong than in most places in the world. And you have over 200 islands on in the tiny little place, and a lot of them are not, you know, habitable. And I love dim sum. You know, it's one of my favorite, you know, Chinese food. But I heard that it was originally, it was hong kong was the first place where it was you know um created i guess that's the word for it so to to those who have never been there and are kind of curious as to what hong kong is like how would you describe the spirit of hong kong and why should we visit it we're not planning to live there because we can't afford it of course but (laughs) (laughs) let us see hong kong through your eyes what would it be like
1: So Hong Kong is a very unique place. It's one of the few places where you can be in the middle of the city at the start of the day on a boat, uh, island hopping uh, in the middle of the day, um, be on a trail in the evening and, and be back in the city to, to bar hop. Um, because it's so small, it's so easy to, to travel and we have so many things to do in the city. So we have excellent trails. Um, we have... Um, amazing bars we have great restaurants uh we have little islands that you can visit um and we have uh just great sights and sounds to take in um so you can pack a lot um in just a few short days so i'd highly recommend uh hopping to hong kong on your way to another southeast asian country if you can Okay. I wouldn't recommend doing it for longer than a week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will I'll consider that. And finally would be where can people find you and can you talk a little bit about just, you know, your business as well and what you do and services you offer and things like that?
1: Sure. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at 852prints. You can find my website at www.852prints.com. Um and Eight Five Two Prince does uh, a line of eco-friendly t-shirts, hats, and totes. And we also do eco-friendly greeting cards um, that are very punny and uh, just celebrate the, the cultural nuances that make up life in Hong Kong.
0: There you go. And guys, go check it out. I just ordered a Christmas card for mine. Charlie mm-hmm. to the world. <laughs> <laughs> for my choice um so well this is it i'm done with all of my questions for you i i usually do this with my guests sometimes in that other questions you might be curious to know about nigeria my home country or about the show itself or you know the host being myself
1: yeah i'm really curious so what what made you decide decide to start your podcast like
0: oh that's a very easy question. Thanks for keeping it easy. Um, I I love cultural explota- ex- explorations. And <laughs> I said exploitations, no. Explorations.
1: <laughs> You're <Yeah>. not British.
0: <laughs> no, we're not British. No, no, they didn't leave that on me. And growing up, I was that child. I read a lot of encyclopedias and read a lot of books. And so I, want, I knew I had to be out there in the world. I knew I wanted to, you know, meet people from different places. It was just a thrill of it. So I think moving to the U.S. was like a good template for me because I started meeting people from those cultures that I had known so much about. And having a podcast was not something I thought I would ever have. But I grew up, you know, with radio. I loved radio. I loved the ability to hear voices, you know, through a little transistor device. And I consumed more podcasts than, you know, I even ever thought in my life I was going to have one. And it was like the way your sister kind of pushed you my friends and my husband was like, you know, you need to be out there more. And, you know, everything coalesced to that point where I decided that, okay, I need to be out there. And since we launched in 2018, we've had a hundred and almost 130 episodes of stories wow. all over the world. And it's so, you know, humbling for me because when, thank you so much. When I started, I didn't, it took me a while to get started. It, the idea was always there, but it just, I just needed that push. And when it came, it's, it's now a lot easier because, you know, I've kind of automated the process and even hired, you know, uh, an assistant as well to help out. So I think along the line of what you said, the hardest part is the beginning. And once you keep finding, you already have that purpose in mind, never let go of the wise. And so, yeah, that's it. I, I'm so humbled because I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned to um, expose my biases about people and countries and places and also listen to people who's from countries that you know all i knew about them was just a single narrative that i learned from the media or from you know some other not so credible sources so this is what i do on the podcast i help people you know share their stories and i i'm so big on cultural curiosity because i believe that the more we kind of get together and talk we realize that we have so much more in common than you know mm-hmm. separates us so yeah that's the idea behind my podcast and why that's I
1: awesome that. yeah the world is so much longer than we think
0: it is it is i mean who would have thought you from hong kong me from nigeria bearing you know similar names you know i know connected by the tolanis <laughs> i know but the is on a, a, a single post on instagram and here we are so yes that's i know that.
1: and you didn't get to share what your name means in uh oh, yeah that's
0: true that's true so my full name is Mutolani. right now the more part of it is it's very personalized it means me you know, because there's some people that that be Omo Omo means child, which is kind of general. So I always have to make that delineation. Like, do not call me Omo Tolani. It's not all the <laughs> children in the world. This is more Tolani. It's me. Like, <laughs> you can tell how full of, of myself that I am. And so the Tolani part is it's actually two two words, I guess. Tola Tola means um <sighs> um worthy of wealth you know someone of prestige and then it needs to be I, I, it's just I, i'm not even explaining it well but together tolerance means someone who is of body of wealth so more tolerance means i'm worthy of wealth i'm prestigious and i remember when i was younger i used to you know tease my mom a lot because all that can also mean money that's why I was riches. Mm-hmm. I'm like y'all named me after money right like no it's not money it's no prestige I'm like yeah so I'm like the money maker of the family right and you know I used to tease out my mom you know she'll just have a hard time no we didn't name you after money so yeah that's, that's what my name means you know I'm of prestige I'm worthy of honor I'm worthy of wealth and and yeah so that's that's what my name means thanks for that I'm sorry I didn't say that in the beginning <laughs>
1: no, I'm glad you you shared how it's pronounced as well yeah is it uh <laughs> Motolani?
0: Yeah, Motolani. And the way you say your name, like Tolani, is the way, you know, a lot of people say my name here. So it just feel like you're just calling me when you said your last name. And you didn't mention that your name changes every seven generations. Do you remember what the name was before Tolani? Nope. Uh, I don't
1: think it, I think it's the last time it was changed. Uh, I wouldn't even know.
0: Oh, yeah, it was, yeah
1: yeah (laughs) i think people have kind of left that tradition to the side a little bit
0: and seven generation that's like way 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 precedes us you know (laughs) because it's a yeah it's
1: too much effort to use it to like legally get it changed now i think before it was a little more ad hoc and you don't really have to go through all the
0: paperwork oh really just woke up this morning now we're gonna be called this (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways um thanks thanks for that question about why i started my podcast i i always love talking about it so thanks for asking that but i just want to thank you for your time and you know um for being forthcoming i just met you online probably like less than two weeks ago and you were quite responsive you're out your forms and your bio and even your um, pictures so thank you for so much for sharing a lot about you know what life has been like in hong kong your culture the city culture and what that really meant to you as far as your identity. Also, about your business, 852 Prince, how it got started, the challenges you faced, and just your vision about the whole business, and how you've built resilience, and even a lot of tips you provided for up and coming um, entrepreneurs. Just want to thank you so much, and I do appreciate your time on the show today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you
0: in here all right guys don't forget go check out her website where you can see a lot of prints and don't just all go around buy something and you know um, contribute towards her cause and thanks a lot for listening to this episode don't forget to share with your friends and families the more the story gets out gets out the more um awareness we have for the podcast all right guys got you guys on another episode of the most civil podcast i remain your host most all right crystal i'll let you know. <music> Hey listeners, this has been another episode of the Mostable Podcast. What do you think about today's episode? Do you have a question or feedback you'd love to provide? A suggestion for a future guest? We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram at Mostable or email us at at com. Your suggestion might just end up being featured on a future episode of the podcast. I cannot wait to hear back from you. Do visit our official website at www.mosibyl.com, that is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and amazing guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Leave us a rating or review as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and reaching more amazing listeners like you. We always appreciate your support. Thank you for always listening.